Welcome to another episode of Preferred Walk-On, PFF's college football show. I'm your host, Max Chadwick, alongside my co-host, Dalton Wasserman. Kind of a massive episode, Dalton, before conference championship weekend. We're going to go over a lot of the head coach hirings and firings that just went down recently. We're also going to cover the path for every single one of the, let's say, eight contenders for the college football playoffs. So, If this team wins, if this team loses, who gets into the final four? So the path for every single one of the eight contenders remaining, we're going to put on our tinfoil hats and go through all the scenarios, basically, uh, for each team to get into the final four. And then finally, at the end, we're doing a little mini preview, not the big preview that we usually do on Wednesday. That will be the all the Power Five Conference Championship games. That'll be on Wednesday's show. On this show, a little mini preview for all the group of five conference championship games. We did the UTSA two-lane game last week. It was our first group of five game that we did basically all season. We're going to do all five group of five conference championship games because they matter a lot, and there are some massive implications for them for the, obviously, the New Year's Six Bowls as well. So ultimately, Dalton, this is a loaded, loaded show that we had after a unbelievable Saturday of college football. I don't know about you, man, but I think that might have been the best Saturday we've got all year. Uh, you, you took it right out of my mouth. It was the best Saturday of the year. That was the Saturday we've been waiting for. We got the best for last, and it sets up the dream scenario of what are basically a bunch of pseudo playoff games going mm-hmm. into conference championship week. Uh, just, just, un, just unreal, unreal games uh, in in Louisville at Auburn. Uh, even Florida State, Florida was wildly yeah. entertaining. Uh, just, just an unbelievable saturday after after a friday that actually went pretty routine with oregon mm-hmm. and texas you know really getting big wins but uh, washington i can't forget washington washington state was classic uh, michael Penix couldn't even watch the ending yeah. um just an unreal saturday that's going to lead into another unreal saturday with huge matchups that we, we've been honestly waiting like two months for it's going to be unbelievable yeah, and that in the uh, the I want to mention the Oklahoma State BYU game too, man. That game oh, was god, incredible. classic. Oh my god, oh. and that that had huge implications too because if Oklahoma State lost that game, Oklahoma would have gone to the Big Twelve title game, and and BYU would have made a bowl game as well. So huge implications in that game too. Yeah, a crazy Saturday. Obviously, the, the hail mary for Alabama. Uh, was the headliner, which was unbelievable. Uh, I think on the 10th anniversary, too, of the kick six, it was kind of insane that Alabama gets there. You know, it's not as insane as a kick six, obviously, but their kind of version of the Hail Mary play against Auburn. Uh, unreal. We sh- I-, I said it before, man. Right after we recorded our preview last week, I almost regretted not previewing the Iron Bowl just because no matter how bad you think one of the teams might be, it always gets weird at the end, and, and it got weird uh, this past weekend. But first off, before we get into the college football playoff and everything that happened over this past weekend and how it sets up a huge weekend of the college for the conference championship Saturday, we got to talk about the head coach firings and hirings that we saw uh, this past week because now it is officially silly season in college football where a lot of schools are moving on from coaches. And not only that, they're moving on from them and hiring them at the same time. And the biggest job, in my opinion, that was open on the market was Texas A&M, who fired Jimbo Fisher. Now they just hired Mike Elko, Duke's head coach, former Texas A&M defensive coordinator, as their new head coach. Don, what would you make of this, of this move? I think it was the right hire. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and I, I didn't think they needed to go and just get the biggest name for the sake of doing it. They already mm-hmm. did it once. There was a lot of talk about about Dan Lanning and Dan Campbell and Deion Sanders and a bunch of outrageous names. I think this was the exact right hire they needed to make. He's familiar with the program. He was their defensive coordinator. And and I told you they need 
what they need in that program is a high, high level of execution. And when you watch Duke football, especially on defense, to be honest with you, they execute at such a high level. And to go into a Duke program that was really struggling, he had three yeah. wins the year before he got there, nine last year, seven this year with a ton of injuries, obviously Riley Leonard at quarterback, kind of struggling on offense and still found their way to a winning record. They executed a high level. He's familiar with the program. I, I think if it's not the flashiest hire, and some people will probably still go, well, who's this Elko guy? No, this guy is a great football coach. He's hard-nosed. They need a coach that can take their talent because they do have a ton of talent and and execute, yep. right? Even this past game against LSU, they probably should have won this game. They were ahead early. They had they had time of possession like crazy. They were ahead of LSU. They were the better team early on. And you've got now a coach who who really gets his teams to execute at a high level and to get him back into a place where he's familiar as opposed to, you know, we've talked about the money and the program and the resources. Somebody, I think, familiar with that to, you know, to know how to handle all that yeah. is a really, really good hire. I do. I, I think this was the exact right hire they needed to make. Absolutely. And, you know, you needed a guy that, again, familiar with the program, so he understands that NIL is a massive part of that program right now because it has some of the best let's say deepest pockets in the country. Uh, so you could use it to your advantage, which Jimbo Fisher did very well. And also Mike Elko, of course, probably helped him out in that aspect as well. So he's probably, he's very familiar with that. He's willing to take advantage of those resources. And you took the words right out of my mouth, man. You need a good football coach because Texas A&M, you turn, look at the talent on this team, just purely off of how these guys were rated at coming out of high school, which I know is a very hit or miss thing. But still, usually some of the best teams in college football have the highest rated recruits coming out of high school. You look at Alabama and Georgia and how much they dominate in recruiting and how they're dominating on the gridiron, Ohio State the same way. Texas A&M is fourth in that in terms of how good their roster is in terms of how they were rated coming out of high school. So there is talent on this roster, but you said it, the execution just wasn't there. Now you get a guy like Mike Elko, you keep that recruiting up, you maybe hit the transfer portal a little hard too and get some great players in the transfer portal. I mean, like I said, the sky's the limit for Texas A&M. And I think this is the right hire. Um, this is a guy who I expected to be the head coach. I know Mark Stoops, the Kentucky coach, was rumored to be the coach. Uh, and then in a span of like a few hours, I feel like after all A&M fans revolted over it, uh, they announced that he wasn't going to be the head coach. But I would have been cool with that hire too. I, I think he's a really good head coach for Kentucky. That Kentucky program was in the dumpster before he got there. And he's turned it around and made it a respectable program in the SEC, which is saying a lot for a basketball school like Kentucky. But instead, you still coach from another basketball school in Duke and Mike Elko, uh, who has done a phenomenal job. I mean, you said it. They went three and nine before he got there. The year before that, they were two and nine. So the last two years, they were some of the worst power five teams in the country. Now they turn into a really good power five team immediately with basically the same roster there as well. It wasn't like a Mike Norvell thing where he kind of changed the roster through the transfer portal. No, Elko just took what he had and won with it, man. So I, I really like this hire a lot for Texas A&M. We'll get into more. I think we're going to do a, a grading every hire uh, episode later on during the offseason. But I really like this hire, man. It's one of my favorites of the cycle. Maybe my favorite, though, of the cycle was this next one, Dolan. Michigan State hiring Oregon State head coach Jonathan Smith as their new head coach. What do you make of this move for the Spartans? It's, it's another, I'm with you. I think it's A+. Plus. I think when we yeah. when we went over this, it's another one a few weeks ago when I was looking at the list of names for this job, that one jumped out at me. And, and I think the biggest thing is, obviously you want a coach who's had success and won you know, at a big program, Oregon State and the Pac-12, when now, it's, now the Pac-12 is gone. It's officially gone after this Friday, right? Yep. But they... 
I think they, I think what Jonathan Smith more than anything and the way that Oregon state plays, right. They, they, they get in the eye and they get behind those tight ends and they run the football and, and, and it feels that Michigan state's always had that identity, right. When they were really good. I think about even back to the days with Kirk cousins, man, they, they get in the eye and they run the ball and they go play action and they go three-step drop and, and, and kind of, it, it's, it's old school, but I think they, I think they really need to get back to their identity they've tried to mix it up the last couple of years you know get into a spread offense look it's hard it's it's in that area of the country you know it's, it's hard to play that wide open football like that between the cold weather and just mm-hmm. michigan state it's just always how they've been they've won games in the trenches and i think jonathan smith wants to do exactly that if you can take a team with big guys like they have at michigan state get their offensive line at the elite level like they were at oregon state i think you're mm-hmm. really talking now because you see it. We see it this year. And now that Ohio State wasn't as wide open this year as they usually are, you got Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. That is Midwest, big, gritty football, trench played football where games, you just saw it in the Ohio State Michigan game, man. Brutal, defensive, hard hitting football. Michigan State needs to get back to that. They tried to open it up. Obviously, some other things happen and, and the entire thing's kind of a mess now. But yeah. I think Jonathan Smith brings – he can bring them – if he brings that same brand of football that he's had at Oregon State, he can bring them that physical identity back that gets them back into just just being able to hit with those teams. Because right now, like, you watch them play those other teams. I mean, against Penn State on Friday, they just couldn't even – they couldn't even stay on – they were getting just put on the sled. And, and, and it's just – it's hard against those three teams in that division if you're not physical enough to play with them to have any chance. Yeah, and you look at I mean, Oregon State offensively, at least, has the most physical offense in the country. And with that offensive line they have there, like you mentioned, uh, the run game they have too, that's what Michigan State was at its best, man. That's what Michigan State they made a playoff playing that kind of football uh, a few years ago. So I think it's a great hire for them. It makes a lot of sense. This is one of the top candidates I would have wanted for them. Uh, it also makes sense for Jonathan Smith. It, it sucks because he was the golden boy in Oregon State. Obviously, the former quarterback there, his alma mater, he was – you know, never going to get fired at Oregon State. But unfortunately for him, man, you look at Oregon State and where their standing is right now, they weren't going to be in a very advantageous spot with the Pac-12 obviously crumbling and Oregon State being one of the two schools, the other being Washington State, without a home, really. So it makes sense for him to to want to jump ship after this year. Now, of course, the Oregon State program, who had a great year this year, uh, I still might be a top 25 team when the new college football playoff rankings come out. But, man, they're going to get ravaged by the transfer portal now. A lot of guys are going to be leaving in the portal. Um, and this this program might really uh, take a downturn. So, sucks for them. It really does suck with everything that's happened to Oregon State in terms of, you know, really rebuilding this program under Jonathan Smith and then kind of getting screwed out of the Pac-12. Now Jonathan Smith leaves basically because of that. Uh, and you're probably going to lose a lot of players as well. So, it sucks for them. But it makes sense for Michigan State to hire this kind of coach, a culture-building head coach like Jonathan Smith. And it makes sense for Jonathan Smith too, man, to take a job like Michigan State uh, and go to a premier conference uh, that Oregon State simply doesn't have right now uh, in the Pac-2 that they have with Washington State. So A-plus hire, I think, for Michigan State. And it makes sense for Jonathan Smith to go to that kind of job as well. Another one that we saw was uh, Mississippi State may hire. And an offensive coordinator, not a former head coach, offensive coordinator Jeff Levy, uh, Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, now Mississippi State's head coach. So they're kind of getting more to offensive brand of football that they had under the late Mike Leach. Uh, kind of got away from it this year, obviously under Zach Arnett. But seems now, Dalton, they're, they're really trying to 
recommit themselves to kind of the air raid offense approach that they had under Mike Leach. Yeah, you said it absolutely right. I, they they needed a jolt in this offense. You could just tell they changed it coming into the year, and Will Rogers never looked comfortable, and, and they it, it just it looked stale. It looked like it looked like it was a team that was built one way, and they were trying to use another way. And and, and Jeff Levy, I, I figured they were going to hire someone like this: Kirby Moore, Ben Arbuckle, Jeff Levy. Obviously, is the one they hire. Somebody like that who can spread things out get this back to being a high flying fun offense because defensively look they they can play defensively they're really physical they've got draft picks coming out in the, off the defense every year but they need they need the offense to match that level of energy and when you watch them this year there really just wasn't there there wasn't a whole lot especially in the passing game it just going to a drop back kind of straight drop play action kind of system it, it just didn't it didn't suit their football team I, I think they have more talent offensively than they showed this year but schematically they just were not it's it's a big big change to go from a system like Mike Leach's to kind of the more I don't know there was it, I just conventional system that yeah. they that they went to I mean everything from the timing to the the the, the cadence and and just the even the routes themselves just everything about it just looked like they look it looked like the players were uncomfortable and, and you really don't want that, especially out of your offense. Now, Lebby, Lebby runs things in a very simple manner, but incredibly fast and preferably balanced. You know, it's not like the running game is going to go away. There will still be a little more running game than there used to be under Leach, but the tempo and and the spread elements of that offense is is a, is more similar than what they were to that than what they were doing this year. And and I think obviously they got to recycle some talent in there. I, believe is will rogers a senior is he done there no he's actually in the transfer portal i don't know if you saw that oh he's in the portal. i did i i did not see that well you know he'll he'll go in there but he you know jeff levy's proven he he can score points man and and to be honest with you i don't think there's a there's i don't think there's a first round talent on that entire oklahoma offense and they're still putting up boatload put up 69 points was it on tcu on friday yeah Uh, 68 68 or 69 this guy when he's running an offense and they get the tempo rolling it, it can avalanche on you in a hurry. I, I think this is, I think it's three for three here on the hires. I think this yep. was the exact thing. They needed a jolt in their offense. They have plenty of defensive talent to keep themselves in games. They, they need points. They need to find points, especially in this side, in this side of the SEC and, and with Texas. And now funny enough, Oklahoma coming in yeah. now, we'll see Jeff Levy versus Oklahoma right away. But no, th- this was right. They needed a jolt on offense. And I think Levy's going to give it to them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, Mississippi State this year, 113th in AP per play in the country. Oklahoma, fourth in the country in AP, AP per play, right behind LSU, number one, Oregon, number two, Georgia, number three, and Oklahoma, number four, man. So Oklahoma's offense, like you mentioned, not a very talented one, not, not a lot of superstar talent like you saw on LSU and, and Georgia and Oregon, but still, man, one of the most efficient in the country regardless. Dylan Gabriel, actually the third highest graded quarterback in the country this season now uh, with kind of the tear he's been on. So I, again, I agree with you. I love this hire. I think it's a great hire for Mississippi state. You kind of get back to that air raid approach, get back to that offensive first approach. Obviously defensive coordinator hire is going to be huge there, but same time, man, this is a, this is a great hire. Jeff Levy, um, former Lane Kiffin offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, uh, which is pretty interesting. And Lane was actually poking fun of him at Twitter a little bit because now they're obviously their arch rivals on uh, the egg bowl between those two schools. Actually a lot closer this year than I anticipated it being. But uh, yeah, man, it should uh, be a lot of fun in Mississippi State. I think it's a great hire for Mississippi State as well for Jeff Lubby. Like I said, one of the top OCs 
uh, in the country, in my opinion. And now he gets a, a major SEC job. Uh, I think it's very well-deserved, honestly. Last one happened uh, kind of a couple of weeks ago, but we never really got to talk about it because of uh, scheduling and you know um, covering a lot of huge games. But Northwestern uh, filled their vacancy. Now, they didn't go out and hire anyone, Dolan. They went and promoted their interim head coach, David Braun, to their permanent head coach. And I think you and I both agree this is a very, very well-deserved promotion for David Braun. Yeah, it's the right move. I mean, I, I got to be honest. I thought coming into the year with all the circumstances and even just the dearth of talent that we thought they had, that, that they would only win maybe one or two games. And yeah. for him to come out with a winning season, won their last three games, played Iowa to a 10-7 to ball game at Wrigley, just just a tough, hard-nosed, I mean, another tough, hard-nosed Big Ten West football team. That's what they are, yep. honestly. But 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 a winning record is a winning record, and, and under the circumstances, and, and you know, it, look, winning records at Northwestern are rare anyway. And, and, and I think this year we didn't think it was coming. You could really argue that Braun should get like national coach of the year votes, honestly, yeah. for, for the turnaround there. Cause things were really on the downswing anyway on the field. Um, but no, this, this is the right move when you, especially at a school like that, that's like heavy academic and it's yeah. very, it's very hard. You know, there's a lot of things that are tilted against them when it comes to trying to just have success on a football field. Plus there's, they're trying to, I forget if it's either get a new stadium or heavy renovations to their stadium. They're in a real transition point and to have stability now like this coming off a year like this is big time. This is, this is the right move. And if it's, especially if it's a guy, the players believe in, they, I, I don't see any reason to go external with this after the year that they've had. Oh, absolutely not, man. I mean, listen, I don't mean, I got to look at their preseason win total after obviously the whole scandal that went down there and everything, but I mean, it must've been like two or three games, man. The fact that there are seven and five this year and making a bowl game again, that's insane. That's a, that's an incredible yeah. season for Northwest. I, so. I, I covered, I covered, I believe it was their first game of the year against Rutgers and, and it, it was, it was, and Rutgers is now a solid football team too, yeah. but it was, it was ugly. I, I really watching, <laughs> I was week one, but watching that day, I really thought they were in for a long, long long year and to turn it around the way they have is really impressive incredibly impressive man so yeah great job by northwestern honestly going i thought they're going to be the worst power five team or one of the worst heading into the season even just strictly on the field it didn't look pretty it's not like this whole scandal rocked everything for them on the field even before the scandal happened it didn't look good and then the scandal happened you go oh man they just fire Pat Fitzgerald. what is this going to look like on an interim coach all season they're seven and five. I mean, they're like a good, at least an average college football team right now. That's a really, really good uh, mark for that program. And like you said before, it's not like this is a Texas A&M type job where you can attract a huge, huge name. It's a tough place to win, man. You mentioned the academics there, how the, the standards for academics are so high that it makes it very difficult uh, in recruiting um, and, and a lot of other ways as well. I'm sure, you know, they're not really doing well in NIL or anything like that either. So it's a tough place to win. Yet David Braun did just that this year, man. So kudos to him. Very well-deserved promotion. Uh, and now he's their permanent head coach now after serving as the interim coach for the entire season. So those are all kind of the hires that we saw recently. I'm sure by the time we post this, there'll be more that come out. But let's take a look now, Dawn, at the, uh, the current openings in the Power Five. So right now, Houston just fired their coach, Dana Holgerson. They have an opening. Oregon State now has an opening after Jonathan Smith obviously left for Michigan State. Same thing for Duke. Mike Elko leaves them for Texas A&M, so they have an opening. My beloved Syracuse Orange, my, my alma mater themselves, they have an opening after firing Dino Babers. And Indiana has an opening after firing Tom Allen. So of those five 
openings in the power five right now, Dolan, which one to you seems the most intriguing? I, I want to, I'll, I'll tell you what I want to see. I, I want to see at Houston down there in the big 12. Let's, let's get Cliff Kingsbury back mm. in the big 12, back down at Houston and all that work he did with, with Patrick Mahomes at Texas tech and Baker Mayfield. And, and I, and I know he's now like, he's like now the pariah in Arizona for, you know, everything with the Cardinals, but he got that team to the playoffs too. Everybody forgets that, you know, a team that two years prior was the worst team in football. Got him, got him at least to the playoffs with Kyler Murray and company, mostly with the off with the offense carrying the show. So I, I would love to see Cliff Kingsbury bring it back to the Big 12 with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. Houston, I believe they won four games this year. Was it four or five? I think it was four. Just, yeah. just, just get just let's let's get him back down there and get another great offense going in the Big 12, man. Just 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 wide open. We got Colorado coming in. We got Utah coming in. What Arizona coming in? My my. Yep goodness i mean what the run they're on right now and the way their offense and jed fish is rolling i i would like to see cliff kingsbury make the big 12 even with the two big teams leaving as high flying as ever that'd be so much fun i think cliff kingsbury would be a honestly a great hire for houston right now uh, i gotta talk about my syracuse orange obviously you know my alma mater uh dino babers was let go after i think eight seasons at the helm for the orange and now they're looking at a, a, a ton of names for their head coach and one of them that I really, really wanted and I thought could actually happen because he was apparently on campus and in the interview was Dan Mullen, the former Florida head coach uh, who spent the last, I think, two seasons now in a studio, and it didn't happen. He tweeted out actually late last night that he will not be Syracuse's head coach. Um, so now the rumors are that Syracuse is looking at Bob Chesney, who is the Holy Cross head coach, who's doing a good job uh, with that program. But again, at, for me... I just don't think you take a chance on an FCS coach, man. I, I think you need someone proven. You need someone that is a good group of five, at least coach. Uh, Jamie Chadwell has been linked to the job uh, at some points. Willie Fritz has been linked as well, the Tulane head coach. I don't know if he should take that job, but I would be over the moon with it as well. And then another name that actually came out that I, I wouldn't love either, but it's emerging as a favorite is Fran Brown, who is the Georgia defensive backs coach. Um, and he actually is one of the top recruiters, both at Georgia and Rutgers. And obviously Syracuse very much struggles in recruiting. Uh, Cause I'll tell you from firsthand experience, it's not a very fun place to live in Syracuse, New York. The weather there is not very kind at all. NIL at Syracuse is way behind as well. Again, it's, this is not an easy place to go and coach, man. This is not an easy job to take over. Um, but he, uh, Fran Brown has been kind of the name that's been floating around in there. Again, that's, I think that's a huge jump to go from a position coach, even for a team like Georgia, a position coach to a head to a power five head coach, big, big jump. Um, I, I just wouldn't love that either, but right now it seems like Bob Chesney. I've heard Dan Brown, uh, Fran Brown, excuse me as well, but man, I just, I would go after one of the top group of five head coaches, man. And, Question. And hope. Go ahead question for you dude is there i don't know how available he is but how would you feel about new mexico state's jerry kill who used to coach at minnesota mm, i would take it he did a great job there i would take that and he's and he's doing a great job this year because new mexico state i know was struggling we're gonna get to them in a minute at, but eight and three this year in the conference usa title game i'm not sure that he would leave or or how available he is but i'm curious that that feels like doesn't syracuse feel like a similar environment to when he was at minnesota yeah. kind of kind of a similar like up north kind of kind of low key but like could have some success here if we build it right that'd be great yeah that would be great i i think 
again, like I said, I think now that Dan Mullen's out, he seemed to be him and it seemed to be hit between him and Bob Chesney. Now I hear I'm hearing Fran Brown is, is being linked as well. I wouldn't love Chesney or Fran Brown right now, man. You got to nail this coach. You, you can't set your program back even further by taking a chance on an FCS head coach who honestly, he's a, he's a good, not amazing FCS coach. Like he's never made it past the quarterfinals in the FCS. He also is number 24 in the FCS. I believe right now this year with a seven and four record. It's like, man, I don't know if I want to take a chance on, on a guy like that. I understand the, the regional ties are all there. And I understand you just paid Dino Babers a huge buyout and you want to go cheap, uh, which is might why you might get a guy like Bob Chesney, but man, I just, I wouldn't love it as well. So Kurt Signetti from James Madison. I love, I love Jason Candle from Toledo. Who's been linked there as well. Jamie Chadwell from Liberty. I'd love um, John Summerall from Troy. If they want to go that route too, I'd love that. Uh, but it seems like everything I've heard, at least it seems like it's going to be down between uh Bob Chesney, the Holy Cross head coach, and Fran Brown, the Georgia defensive backs coach. All right, so those are all the head coach hirings and firings that we just cover. We'll cover, obviously, a lot more as a lot more schools fire and hire more head coaches. But, Dawn, we got to talk about what we're about to get this conference championship weekend, which is insane. I can't remember the last time we had as many as eight teams that were still alive for the college football playoff heading into the final weekend of conference championship weekend. Uh, I remember there's always like maybe six or maybe even seven teams, but eight, man, it seems like a lot. I don't know about you, but man, this is going to be an unbelievable weekend of college football. And we're going to have a lot of scenarios that we have to go through and kind of put our tinfoil hats on and say, okay, what happens if this team loses and this team loses who gets in then? So this is a very fun segment. I think that uh, should help out a lot of people who are kind of lost like we were before we really sat down and went through it. Uh, it's a very complicated thing to try to think about who the four teams actually will be when you go through basically every single scenario like we're about to right now. Yeah, no. Well, so I think I think what we should do is preface this with five of the eight, we believe at least, certainly four of them are winning in, right? Mm-hmm. Georgia yep. wins, they're set. That's, yep. you know, if you're in the top four, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, you're undefeated, your top four already should stay that way. Uh, actually, Washington will move into the top four with Ohio State's loss. They'll be top four tomorrow. But those four, plus probably Oregon, if they avenge the Washington loss, yep. right? That we're assuming. Like the committee, I'm sure the committee can't have any rooting interest. But man, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're rooting for it to, to you know to be kind of easy a little bit because if this if you get the chaos here, it, it could get really really chaotic and a lot of arguments breaking out. But you you definitely I think to start it off with you've got five teams: Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Oregon, who are winning in. Right. And and this is the good part about having all these head to head matchups, Georgia and Bama, Washington, Oregon, right? And Michigan, Ohio State last week. That makes it at least a little bit easier when it comes to the easy scenarios. The hard scenarios when you when you start getting upsets, then start getting really hard. But I, I think that's the good place to start is is the win and ins and then think about okay, what if especially in the Georgia and Michigan games? What if? Because uh, right. those are the two big, those are the two things that could throw everything into chaos. So I actually, so we're, I think Eli's going to make a uh, full screen, I believe, for every team. So we're going to go through team by team and just say, okay, winning in or winning, they need this. Or if they lose, are they still alive in this? So I think we should start off with Georgia Bulldogs, currently 12 and 0, playing Alabama in the SEC championship game. Obviously, like Dalton said, they are winning in. If, they're, if they win, they're the number one team probably in the college football playoff rankings and probably deservedly so. 
So we don't even need to talk about that. We'll do the full preview, trust me, for that game uh, on Wednesday, which is probably the biggest conference championship game that we're going to get um, in a, maybe a long time. It's going to be an unbelievable game. I cannot wait for that game. But what if Alabama wins, Dawn? What if Alabama wins? Do you think Georgia's out of it? Or is there a scenario where the Bulldogs can still sneak in even after losing to Alabama? This is hard. This is real hard because what they're going to need uh, is is two of – Two of the three other like contenders. Let's just say, obviously, you're getting the Pac-12 champion. That's one. Yep. You, Alabama. So that in, right over that definitely. leaves you. Then I I would think Alabama would get in with their one loss being to Texas. Although you've got some wild card things going on there too, with Texas having beaten Bama. You yeah. Know, I I think what you're getting at now is scenarios where Georgia might need a Florida State and or a Texas to lose their conference title game, just the way the numbers shake out. Because again, you've got Michigan. You've got a Pac-12 champ getting in for for sure. Let's just say Michigan's beaten Iowa. Now we yep. can get into those. We're getting into those scenarios. But let's say Michigan's obviously heavily favored over Iowa. That's two spots. Bama, I would think, with a Georgia win is going to make a big, big jump there. And we kind of have some wild cards, especially with Texas and even Ohio State floating around. They probably Georgia need two other teams to lose to get back in there. Yeah. So I would say so. The scenario. So obviously, be Alabama, you're in. The scenario, though, if you lose, I agree with you. You need two of these three teams to lose. You need Michigan, Florida State, Texas. You need two of those three teams to lose because if only one of those three teams lose, I think they all three of them jump if they win. Michigan obviously being over Georgia. I think Florida State 13-0 would get in over Georgia, although we'll talk about that because there has been a lot of talk about Florida State not getting in at all no matter what happens on Saturday, which I think is we'll get into. Uh, and then Texas – I think would get in because you look at it, Texas beat Alabama who just beat Georgia. So Texas, I think 12 and one conference champ would get in over Georgia as well. So you're going to need two of those three teams to lose. I actually was having a debate with some of my coworkers today, Dolan, that they think Georgia's in regardless of what happens in their game. I don't agree with that, man. I think there's a world. And especially when you look at Georgia's schedule, I mean, I know they play some great teams down the stretch of the season, but it's not like they've had like an unbelievable schedule this year either. I do think there's a world where if they lose to Alabama, they get left out, man. Because I think, like you said, Alabama would get in over them. Michigan would get in over them. Florida State, the winner of the Pac-12 game, would get in over them. Texas would get in over them. So you're going to need two of the three in, in Michigan, Florida State, and Texas to lose in order for Georgia to still sneak in with a loss. Here's here's your thing for me. Let's I, I think, and this is where Texas to me becomes a wild card. There's – I. Here's the argument for me, because I think overall the schedules are probably pretty similar-ish, right? Yeah. What's a better win? Georgia at home against Missouri or Texas at Bama? Texas at Bama, easily. Then then, then Georgia would have a serious problem if they lost and Texas won. Yeah. Because I, I think that – and now, now Texas does have – I mean, Oklahoma's not a terrible loss. They're still in the top 15, I believe it is. Like yeah. 15 floating around there. And it's a rivalry thing, and they lost at the last second and all that. But you you would just have an issue of – I think Missouri is about as good a win as you could – it's obviously their number nine right now. It's as good a win as you could have outside of these top eight. But I think having a win like Texas beating Bama, Michigan beating Ohio State, uh, Washington beating Oregon possibly twice, having a win inside of this group, I think is something that's going to get thought about pretty heavily. It's why uh, it, it's it's why you know you have certain other teams here who have to win this week despite their record because they don't have even Oregon. To be honest with you, 
I don't think they have like a signature win. And Georgia, Georgia, I don't think has it now. They have they absolutely blasted Ole Miss. Yep. They blasted Tennessee, although I wouldn't call that anywhere near signature. But they they don't play around. That's all I can yep. say if I'm Georgia, because I, I, I there I think there are a lot of scenarios here where they could end up number five. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So just recap for Georgia. Win and in. Or if you lose, you're going to need two of these three teams to lose. Michigan, Florida State, Texas. You need two of them to lose in order to get in to the college football playoff with a loss, in our opinion. At least we'll see what the committee does. But in our opinion, that's what it would take for Georgia to get with the loss. Next up is Michigan. So Michigan obviously favored by, I think, 23 points over Iowa is the biggest spread uh, by far, honestly, in a conference championship uh, game. So Michigan heavily favored over Iowa. They're 12-0. They just beat Ohio State. They win, they're in, and truthfully, I mean, you can make an argument for them to even be number one over Georgia, although I probably wouldn't do that. But obviously, they are winning in. What if Iowa does the unthinkable, Dawn? What if Iowa, with one of the worst offenses in the country, somehow beats Michigan and pulls off maybe the best upset of the entire season? Is Michigan screwed, or are they kind of in the same boat as Georgia where they could still get in with some help? I think they're in a more precarious boat than Georgia. I think you're looking at a similar thing where they need a couple others to lose. Again, Florida state and Texas being that they're playing outside of this bubble against Louisville and Oklahoma state kind of the wild cards there. You probably need those two to lose, but you're also then talking about a Michigan team who beat Penn state in a reasonable game, beat Ohio state in a tight game, a very tight game, but then we'll have lost to Iowa who has, one of the worst offenses in the country. I mean, if they lose this game, it would be what nine to six. I, I don't yeah, know what probably. it would be to be honest with. Right. So do you, here's the problem. The, the fun one for me, for them would be what if it came down to, well, number four is Michigan or number four is Ohio state because mm-hmm. the body, the body of work, even with the loss head to head to Michigan tells you Ohio state, they both beat Penn state. Ohio state went into Notre Dame and won. And their one loss was to Michigan at the big house by like 30 yards, right? McCord under pressure. We talked about that. That's where the game was won, right? But the head to head is it's a, do you, do you weigh one game or do you weigh the whole season? Cause if I weigh the whole season, I got to think about Ohio state. Yeah. I, I, so I don't know. And then coming off a loss, a loss to Iowa, sorry, is decisively worse Mm -hmm. than a loss at Michigan. You know, with a chance to win the game on the last drive. I, I don't, my assumption is just they would go, oh, well, they beat them head to head, so give it to them. But I, I think it's a better argument. If you, if this came down to Michigan, Ohio State, four or five, there, there needs to be a lot of debate about this. Dude, a lot more, a lot more than there actually would be being that Michigan beat Ohio State. I, I think, yes, I agree. But also, I think, I, I think it trumps it, especially because it's only two weeks ago at that point. Then they beat Ohio State. It's not like we'll get into the Texas Alabama thing later on, which is a whole can of worms that we have to open up. But that was so early in the season that there's at least an argument like, oh, they're a completely new team now. That game is so recently that you're like, man, I. It'd be tough for me to put in an 11-1 Ohio State over a 12-1 Michigan, even if they lose to Iowa. So I think I would still side with um, Michigan in that scenario. But in my opinion, though, if they lose to Iowa, you're in the same boat as Georgia where you need two of these three teams to lose. You need Florida State to lose. You need Texas to lose. And instead of Georgia losing, you need Alabama to lose. You need Georgia to win that game because if Alabama – 
Yep. I, I was just going to ask you where if Georgia and Michigan both lose, Georgia gets in over Georgia. You, you have Georgia. to take Georgia. You have yeah, to. Absolutely. So you need you need Georgia to win because if Alabama wins, they obviously get in over Michigan if Michigan loses. And Georgia would also get in over Michigan. So you're going to need two of Florida State, Texas, and Alabama. Now, I do think this is a little more likely than the um, Georgia scenario because Georgia, you need two of Michigan, Florida State, or Texas. Michigan, we mentioned it, favored by 23 over Iowa. Texas is favored by, I think, 14 over Oklahoma State. So that's not as likely. But for Michigan, you need Georgia to win. Georgia's favored by five. Florida State's only favored by, I think, three right now over Louisville. So those are, th- those are two, at least, that you think, okay, that might happen. Like, I-, I feel good about Georgia winning. I feel good about maybe Florida State tripping up against Louisville on a backup quarterback. So that seems a little more likely, in my opinion, for Michigan if they do lose this game. But, man, it is, it's tough, man. You, again, you need two of the three to lose in Florida State, Texas, and Alabama. So Florida State, Texas, and Alabama – those are the, really the three teams that Michigan fans should be eyeing because uh, they do play the last conference championship game, really, besides you know, they're at the same time as ACC. But keep an eye on the, uh, the SEC game. Keep an eye on the uh, Big 12 game as well because who knows? If, if chaos happens, you might need a little help, and, and that could come in those two games. Uh, absolutely. And I, I think especially those two you just mentioned, the Florida State and the Texas games, where they're going to be fun. You still have teams we saw. We saw it last year with Kansas State winning the big 12 right and and they, they didn't have playoff implications on a lot of these games are dangerous man look louisville's still going to be game I, I know i know what happened last week against kentucky but you still have florida state with a backup quarterback who looked a little rattled in the swamp it's all that it, these those two games are the reasons really this could get wild yeah. uh, honestly and i know obviously bama and georgia is going to be fun but it's it's the two games outside the bubble that are still highly competitive games, um, and obviously we'll get into them Wednesday. But especially that Florida State game, and and man, it's this is why this will be the next best Saturday <laughs> because you you just have you have so many. It, we're we're gonna be on. I don't know. I don't know if we've ever been on pins and needles with all five conference championships. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure we haven't. Never, dude. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't remember a time where every conference championship game, every conference. Every Power 5 conference still has a playoff contender heading into conference championship Saturday. That's insane. I, I can't remember the last time we had that. I feel like there's always been at least one conference. You go, okay, whoever wins that is going to the New Year's Six Bowl, sure. But like they're not making the playoff. That's not happening this year, man. So every single one of these games is, is huge. So Michigan, do you agree with me? It is uh, Florida State, Texas, and Alabama. You need two of those three teams to lose if you lose to Iowa. Yeah, I would say so. I think that that's the difference is they need a Georgia win because they'll take Georgia over Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So we'll move on to the next one. This one's actually is, is fun because I think this, this creates, I think th- when I was putting this together, Dalton, this created the the hardest, this put my mind in a pretzel basically between these two teams. So we'll talk about this one, Washington 12 and 0 right now playing Oregon in the PAC 12 title game. Simple scenario. You beat Oregon. You're in You're 13 and 0 you're making the PAC 12 championship game. You're in. Okay. If they lose and they're fit. And right now they are underdogs by nine points, Dalton, nine points. Oregon is favored over Washington, even though Washington beat them earlier this season. So if the odds makers are correct, and if Washington goes down, can they make the playoff if absolute madness happens? Uh, It would be some absolute madness. The way they've treated Washington so far, having them number five that entire time, and it's very possible they could walk in tomorrow number four. I I just don't – I don't really get what's been been with the hate on them when they have – 
Yeah. You know, if Texas at Bama is the best win of the year, I don't know why the win over Oregon isn't next or maybe even on top. I, I, you know, oh, so they're playing close games against rivals in conference games that know them. Okay, I get it. I get it. But like you you compare them to what, you know, everything Oregon's done. Oh, first of all, I, I don't get this nonsense. Nine point underdogs. No, no, I'm not. Ha- I'm I don't know. I'm not having this. I, I, I'll I'll dig in more, and we'll get into predictions later on. But they should not be darn near, darn near double digit underdogs. That's nonsense. I'm not about this. I, I'm I'm over the disrespect with Washington, and we'll get into that later. But no, they they would need real real madness again. Florida State and Texas losing outside of kind of the bubble of these teams playing each other. You know, it just narrows it down, right? It takes you down to six, and we're not even really sure if Ohio State is in it or not. You know, but they would need so you get those two losing, and then probably an Alabama losing. Yeah. Let's just say the sh- let's say the sure things happen in front of them, right? Let's say let's say Georgia wins, mm-hmm. Michigan wins, and if Oregon beats them, that's three. Let's say that's your top three. That leaves you that leaves you with the rest. Now, if you get Florida State and Texas, and obviously now with Georgia, you're pretty much at that point down to Washington mm-hmm. and Ohio State. Who is it? And I think it's I think it would be Washington at that point uh, because you've got an Oregon team that they had to play twice that beat them. You know, yeah. you, you go one and one is better than zero oh and one, and we can debate Michigan and Oregon and all this and that, but they were both extremely tight games that went down to the wire. I think I would still go Washington over Ohio State, um, and this is the disadvantage for Ohio State being the one team that's not playing is they don't get one more stamp, yeah. right? It, of, of just of just being able to make one last statement like these other seven. So it, it would take basically everybody below them also to lose to be able to still work their way into number four, probably behind Oregon at three. Yeah. So that's, that's the whole conversation. So again, you lose and spend, and also I think something that we didn't bring up, but I think might matter. And I don't know if it should matter, but it, it might matter to the committee is how badly Oregon wins if Oregon wins that game. Because if Washington gets blown out by double digits, maybe they look at Ohio State, who lost by six to Michigan and beat Penn State and beat Notre Dame. Uh, When Washington, you look at their resume, besides the Oregon win, I mean, they haven't really been that great of teams like Penn State or, or Notre Dame. Then you might look at that and say, Okay, Ohio State should go in over him. That might be the difference. It might be the difference of how okay, how badly do you lose? And if it's a close game, then maybe you can forgive that. And like you said, they beat Oregon already earlier in the season. So that could be forgiven. But that's the interesting conversation. That's the one I really struggled with is what they do with Ohio State and what they do with Washington if Washington loses. And of course, you have Florida State has to lose. You need Texas to lose. And you need Alabama to lose. It's not two of the three like the other schools. It's all three. You need all three of those teams to go down in order for Washington to still be in the conversation. Who knows if they even put them in? You need to be in the conversation with Ohio State. Because like I mentioned, you have Michigan that's automatically in. You have Georgia automatically in. Oregon will be in over Washington. And then you have the conversation between Washington and Ohio State. That's so I don't know where they side, man. So that's why I, you, know, you see it says possibly on it right now because i truly don't know where the committee will go uh if ohio state um and washington are the two left for that number four seed so i i agree with you i think i probably would side with washington but i think it also might matter about how badly they do lose if they get blown out by oregon i think the committee might go with ohio state in that one but if it's a close loss maybe 
they uh they go with the Huskies in that one. So that that's the one where I really really struggled with it as to who will be that final team if chaos happens and and everything happens like it should. Agreed. Totally totally agree. Washington. I I know other people. I test and doing whatever with this. They've they've shown me enough. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna be honest with you. I don't, I don't know. I think their defense gets way too much hate. I think playing in close games gets way too much hate. Look, Georgia was playing in close games too. They played a tight game. They didn't take the lead till three minutes left with Auburn. Michigan's been in three straight tight games. I, I mean, I, I don't know what it is Washington and to an extent our next team here have to do to get to get respect. But I, I, what they're twelve and zero, man, in, in what yeah. was honestly probably the best conference in college football this year. What more do you want? Yeah. Absolutely. So those three, so Georgia, Michigan, Washington, winning in, obviously. But if they lose, there's a path. So those are three that if they lose, there's a path. The rest of the teams we're talking about, the other five teams, do not have a path if they lose. And the first one is Florida State, the other undefeated Power 5 team right now, 12-0 and on the season. Simply put, Dalton, it's beat Louisville, and that's it. If you lose, they're not putting you in on a backup quarterback without Jordan Travis. There's no way that happens. So this one's maybe the simplest one out of all of them. It's just beat Louisville. That's the only thing you got to do. And you should, should make the college football playoff if you beat Louisville. Although I've seen a lot of people recently say Florida State doesn't deserve to be in the playoff on a back of quarterback. And to that, I say awful. That's like one of the worst takes I've heard, man, honestly. is an undefeated Power 5 champ. Absolutely needs to get into the college football playoff if they win, obviously, against Louisville on Saturday. Yeah, no, and actually, actually, it proves to me more that they should be in because now you've got now you've got this thing you saw it against Florida again. Second half, Florida State's like the, they might be the best team in the country in the second <laughs> half of these games. If they could only play the second half, they might still win a national title. But no, it's it's nonsense. You, you, don't give me eye test, ACC, whatever, all all this, whatever. Look, they've done what they needed to do. They beat LSU. They went yep. to Clemson and won. If they win the ACC, look, Louisville, I know what happened last week. It doesn't look like as good a win as it did a week ago, but they're still, they're still going to be somewhere in the teens in the rankings. Mm-hmm. Look, Kentucky was game. It's a rival. Everything happened the way it happened. They have to get in. They have to. If they, if they win on Saturday and for some reason next Sunday they don't put them in, I, I, I – I might I I don't know how the rant would go next Monday for me. I'm gonna be honest. There would be riots be, in Tallahassee. I would be, be so. I would. I, I I'm not even a Florida State fan, right? But I, I would be so irritated, mm-hmm. so irritated coming because I've already, already, I've already said enough about the committee a few weeks ago about I don't know really what their criteria is sometimes for these rankings, especially the opening ones. If they if they win, if they beat Louisville and they leave them out. They will get torn to shreds. We will get people to be so glad that we're going to a twelve teamer because it would just it would be absolute nonsense. I, to me, winning these last two games without Travis would be even more proof that they need to be in. I don't care if you think they're going to go in against Georgia and lose fifty-two to three. I yeah. don't care. And maybe they will. They have, who cares? Yeah, I, I, I don't care. And, and honestly, I mean, they'll go in and try to win. But like Florida State fans, anything that happens beyond this week, if they get there. It's kind of cherry on top. Yep. Look, I get it. You probably won't you won't win the whole thing without Jordan Travis. I get it. And even then, what is it, Cardale Jones? We've seen that we've I, seen I literally we, we have yeah. you get in these one game scenarios. Nobody thought TCU was beating Michigan last year either. Nope. So yep. I, look, you get in one game scenarios, you get a couple of fumbles, you don't know what happens. And I'm telling you, and I'm gonna go over it more later in the week. This Florida State defense is as good as any of these teams sitting here. I, I'm this this is not something that if 
if for some reason, if for some reason they win and still get left out, I, I would not blame Tallahassee for burning the place down. No, I, I, I yeah, no, it's 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 like I'll just I'll just say that it's, it's got to be the dumbest conversation being had right now. I, I agree, dude. Agree. There's and there's so many people that I respect in, in the college football community that are saying, "I'm like, dude, well, it's because because the assumption is that they will go in and play Georgia and get wrecked. I don't care. They they earned it. If you earned it, we've seen teams in the semi in the semifinals get wrecked before. We've seen it. I mean, look, they they put in Cincinnati when they deserved it. They played Alabama. They got wrecked. I believe was there one year Michigan State got in. Yep. And yep. they got and they just got teed off on in the look. If you make it there, you earned it. And whatever happens after that, you earned that as well. If yeah. that's a whooping, if that's a whooping, cool. If it's a trophy, cool. Right. But you can you cannot leave a team out based on well, I think they're gonna get wrecked. Well, yeah. I think I, I, you want me to be honest? I, I I just straight up from what I've seen all year, I think if Texas plays Georgia, I don't <laughs> think it'll be that different. Yeah. I don't think it'll be, I'm pretty sure it won't be that different of results. You can't base this on oh we what are their odds of winning? No, you base it on what they've done. Yep. Now, the problem is again, this committee hasn't always based things on what they've done. I still don't know till till right now why Oregon is number six. Mm-hmm. I'm still on this. This yeah. is uh, what they so, they are actually the team out of these eight, all of them without the signature win. Mm-hmm. So look. They don't always base things on what have been done, but if they do that to Florida State again, I I wouldn't blame. If I was Mike Norvell, I would just I I'd, I'd burn the building down. Live it. Find wherever they. Yeah, that's just that's off. That would, that would just be all. It's it is it's 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 easily the dumbest conversation. And I, and I've said this all year. I think there were times this year where you could have argued them up to number two. I think yep. they've been not only undefeated, they've been one of the four best teams all season. Mm-hmm. You, you might not like how they play in the first quarter. That sucks. They're still great, and they still win them all. What? Yeah. What more? What more do you want at the end of the day than they're undefeated with a shot to get in right now? I I, I don't get it. It's it would be such an abomination if Florida State is left out at a, as a thirteen and zero ACC champion. Abomination, it, it, man. It would be I, I, awful. It, it's not happening. It, it, yeah. it can't happen. If that if that happens, I'm just I'm I I will light it up on this show. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, I'm good. Just, I will I'm too, man. Because it, again, I, this this whole conversation is so stupid that we're even having yeah. this conversation in the playoffs history since 2014. An undefeated Power Five champion has never been left out. In fact, the only time where a one loss Power Five champion was left out was in that first season in 2014, and that was when the Big 12 did not. They not have a conference title game. So Baylor and TCU both had one loss that year. They shared the conference title and there wasn't a conference champion. So that was the only time a technically one loss power five champion didn't get in. If Florida state is undefeated and gets left out, man, that's all. It's like, why even play the games then? Why even say, Oh, well, this is where I think the four best teams, like the argument for Alabama last year was like, Oh, Alabama is one of the four best teams. Like, okay. Alabama lost two games though. You can't lose two games and still get into the playoffs. So, um, yeah, Florida State absolutely mentioned it. I, I was going to mention Cardell Jones as well. That was a big, big argument against Ohio State when they won the Big Ten with only one loss that year was, okay, well, they have their third string, not even back of quarterback, third string quarterback. It's Braxton Miller, remember, hurt his shoulder in the preseason, out for the year. Uh, JT Barrett, I believe, broke his ankle in the last game of the season against Michigan, out for the year. So Cardell Jones goes into that Big Ten championship game, lights up Wisconsin, then there's a lot of argument. Of, oh, does Ohio State belong in the playoff on a third string quarterback? Really? They're going to get blown out. 
They go into the playoff. They beat Alabama. Then they beat Oregon. And they win the national championship on a third-string quarterback. I'm not saying Florida State can do that with Tate Runemaker, but for you to say that they can't do it is and leave them out entirely because of what you think yeah. would happen is nonsense, in my opinion. I, I would mu- I would much I would much rather watch them lose by 30, deserving to be there, than yep. just be left out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So again, what you think a team is capable of is complete BS. Let them show what they're capable of. And if they're a 13 and 0 power five champion, absolutely. I don't care if I'm their quarterback, Dalton. I can't even throw 20 yards. If I'm their quarterback and we're 13 and 0, we're going to the college football playoff. Okay. If you're the quarterback and they're 13 and 0, they're going to the college football playoff. If anyone is their quarterback and going 13 and 0, they're going to the college football playoff. So the fact that we're even talking about this is awful. And, and I think if, Florida, and like you said, if they beat Louisville, still probably going to be in top 15 of the ranking. Uh, this week is unfortunate, of, t- of course, as well, because I would have loved to talk about the Louisville scenario and how they could sneak into the college football playoff, which unfortunately won't happen anymore. But, man, if they win and they beat Louisville, there's not even a conversation to be had. They are absolutely going to the college football playoff. Okay, so Florida yep. State handle that. And let's also say this. This is the only undefeated team where if they lose, there isn't a path. There is no path for Florida State to get in with the loss because then at least you have you can look at the Jordan Travis injury and go, okay, see, I told you so. So that's the only team where it's like, okay, they lose, they, they can't make it in, and and, and they won't make it in if they lose. So it really is winning in for Florida State, and there's really no other scenario for them to make it. So that's for them. Next team that I think is also kind of in a win and in scenario without any other scenarios for a loss or anything like that is Oregon um, who I think if they beat Washington in the Pac-12 title game no matter what happens in the other conference title games I think based off what the committee has done with Oregon and having it at number six all year Dalton I think Oregon's in a scenario right now where that Pac-12 title game on Friday night is basically a quarterfinal uh, because whoever wins that game I think is pretty much locked into one of the final four spots yeah, I agree. This is this is the simplest one on the whole board. And and to, I mean, Florida State's this simple too, just with whatever made up controversy. No, yeah. there's no controversy here with Oregon. But you, you got you got to avenge it. I mean, they've lost to Washington twice in a row. Um, obviously, tight games. This this shouldn't this should not be a nine point spread. That's the only thing I'm going to say about this. This is this is a toss. This is a coin flip game. It's yeah. a coin flip game, and it's going to be played in a dome and and, and everything and and under the lights and all that stuff. This is. This is, um, I mean, you mentioned Georgia Bama being the game of the year. It might, it might actually be this one. This is just, you've got, you've got Penix, you've got Knicks, you've got everything surrounding these two teams. It's, it's just, you know, it's the simplest part of this that Oregon very well should get in with finally in the last week having the signature win if they win, and, and I, I, it's very straightforward. I, I, yeah. I think. Not yeah. only that, it could be for the Heisman Trophy as well. Whoever wins this game might ultimately, and I'll, you and I, I think both think that Jane Daniels should be the Heisman winner, but. The voters might actually go for whoever wins this game between Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix. So uh, some huge stakes, not only in terms of getting to the college football playoff and winning the Pac-12 championship, but also what quarterback is taking home the Heisman Trophy could be determined in this game as well. So, uh, yeah, Oregon, like I said, nine-point favorites over Washington, and that probably has everything to do with how they've looked recently, both teams. Uh, Oregon has won their last six games by an average of 26 points. Washington's won their game, last six games by an average of six and a half points. So um, Washington, of course, is playing close, but they're beating everyone. And I agree. I think the nine-point spread is is kind of insane right now. So uh, Oregon, they win. They're in. They, they don't need any help. Otherwise, they, they would get in with a win over Washington. If they lose, they're a two-loss team. Losing twice to Washington, there's no way Oregon would get in to the cultural playoff. All right, so next team we're going to talk about is Alabama. This is an interesting one, man. They're 11-1. They've got Georgia in the SEC title game. 
I think that they might be in with a win, but I could also see some arguments for Texas to get in over Alabama and for other schools to get in over Alabama as well. So what do you think the scenario is for Alabama to get in with a win? Do you think they're in if they win, or do you think they need a little bit of help to, to ultimately get in? I think a little. I think Texas is the big one. There's also some some scenarios where you could see, like, let's say – I mean, I'm I'm gonna take just Michigan out of this Iowa thing. I'm not I'm not gonna dig into all of that and all of that. But I'm gonna between Florida State and Texas, and I think Texas is the really important one because if you get Michigan and Pac-12 and Florida State, I think what Bama doesn't want is an argument at number four between them and Texas. Yeah, it, it, it just again resume, Bama, head to head Texas, same problem as Michigan Ohio State. I think the best road. The best road for them is a win and a Texas loss. Now, other other circumstances could also help them, but I think that's the most. That would be surefire. I think if they won and Texas lost, they'd be in for sure. I think if something, if you had something like Texas win and Bama win and Florida State lost, mm-hmm. you're arguing Texas versus Bama and maybe versus Ohio State, but I don't think so. Is I mean, you basically have this. Take all the rest of the schedules call it roughly even maybe maybe not whatever is a georgia win enough to overcome a head-to-head loss with texas i think yes because nobody's beaten georgia in like two and a half years or whatever yeah but But that would be i think the the thing the most important one for me for bama and maybe i'm wrong maybe they'll just get in because they beat georgia but I think the surefire way would be if Texas lost. I think that's the biggest threat. Wouldn't they? So I'm trying to do the math in my head. So would they, wouldn't they get in, though? If, say if Florida State did lose and Alabama won and Texas won, wouldn't Texas and Bama get both get in? Because it would be Michigan. It would be Pac-12 winner. Then it would be Texas and Alabama in whatever order, right? Well, but then you're arguing then Georgia versus Texas. You got Ohio State mixed I, in there. I think. I think we. Yeah. I, but I think Texas. And I think. Bama that, both I get think. I think. Bam. I think over. You think Texas gets in over Georgia? Yeah. Texas beat Alabama, and Alabama beat Georgia. I think that's. I think that's a, the kind of a simple way for the committee to look at it. I don't. I don't know that it's that simple. Ah, uh, dude. I think. I think Texas. With I, th- the I think it's. I think Georgia it's another. I, you know what I think it is too. I think it's another one. How do they handle business against Oklahoma State too? Yeah. I oh I'm mm, I, that's that's a tough one yeah if, I, if, I agree, I, if but... I'm if I but if I'm Alabama let's say with Bama for a second if I'm Alabama I want this as straightforward as possible I want Texas out of there yeah I want them out but because if it if it comes down to Bama I think Bama winning this game versus just about anybody else is going to get in but the the head to head you know how they are with these things sometimes right and, and the the head to head is gonna it's that's going to bother people still, even early in the year. Now, early in the year, we've seen this before, kind of helps. But I, that's that's what I think that's the most crucial part is Texas losing. I will say if – so say Florida State – so if um, – we'll talk about the whole if everyone else wins. But if Florida State loses and you're arguing Georgia, Bama, Texas, and let's say Ohio State, even if you're arguing Texas versus Georgia, I think Bama jumps – Georgia, definitely. Like, you can't put in Georgia over Alabama. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't want, like, all of it muddled like that. Again, I think the biggest threat to it all is Texas with Georgia hovering and Ohio State kind of hovering. But I think being that they did lose to Texas, they I think 
to have it out of the way would be the easiest thing. Yeah, me. definitely out of the way. That, that I would think... be sure, surefire if Bama to me if Bama wins and Texas loses, they are in. They are yeah, in the in. One thousand percent. But yeah. if Texas wins and Bama wins and Florida State wins and Michigan wins, then that's that's the that's the tough one. Oh, that's, that's, I think that's, that's the hardest that's, conversation. That's the nonsense. That's the that's just nonsense. It's all that's 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 when I actually just go, we'll just make it eight this year and let's just <laughs> show because I yeah. I who would you okay just if you had if, if the committee said Dalton, we, we talk about it for five hours, none of us can come to a conclusion. So we're gonna come to you and you alone, and you're gonna determine who gets in, Texas or Alabama. Who would you go with in that Bama. scenario? Bama. Bama, Alabama. Yeah, so would I. I, I just think so they, they found it. The early weeks one through four, Bama is a different animal than, yeah. than that. Yeah. So would I. Yeah, I would yeah. I, I would just say and it sucks because I, I really do value head to head and it sucks that Alabama too was wasn't like it was in Austin. You beat them in Tuscaloosa and convincingly so too. I think you beat them by ten points. Uh, yeah, I think I would still go with Alabama, which is unfortunate. Uh, but Alabama, I think the resume speaks for itself. Beating Georgia speaks for itself. Uh, they have to get in. I think if you beat Georgia, you, you gotta play for a national championship. I think, in my opinion. So I agree. So beat Georgia. Don and I both think beating Georgia is enough, in our opinion. But we don't know what the committee will think. So beat Georgia, and if you want a little extra help. You need Texas or Florida State yeah. or Michigan to lose as well. So that, that and, one of those three teams would help you if you win. But uh, I think I, I, you and I both think I think beating Georgia might be enough for them to leapfrog Texas, in my opinion. Yeah, so. and, and and I think if you're I think if you're Texas here, we're gonna we gotta get through these last two real quick. I think if you're Texas, obviously you have to win, must win. You can't have two losses, and and I think your best scenario is actually is Georgia winning and not making this a big one loss argument, Georgia, Michigan, PAC 12 winning a Texas to me, the easiest road for Texas, they win and Florida state loses. I, I think you've got the easy slot in the number four pack slide ahead of a PAC 12 team, you know, don't worry about Bama. And, and I think if they win their conference, a Texas versus Ohio state argument, I think is pretty easy. Um, the yeah, extra totally. win, Oklahoma State's a good team. Florida State lose, slot Texas in there at four. Is that pretty straightforward? I mean, I, I know Texas, there's other yeah. scenarios, but the most likely one, I think, because I, I still don't, I still don't think a Bama win. I think it's kind of has them in danger now of getting jumped by Bama, and I don't think Michigan's losing. I think a Texas win and a Florida State loss is best case that's, scenario. That's right? the best case scenario for them. Okay. So yeah, they need that, and then real quickly, so that so they need. I think Michigan, Florida State. Maybe Georgia. Maybe maybe if Georgia goes down, maybe the committee sides of Texas for beating Alabama. But I think Michigan or Florida State, and Florida State obviously being the way more likely option. Uh, so, yeah, Texas winning and Florida State losing. Texas needs to win, obviously, and they, I think they need help too. They can't get in with a win. They, they need a, one of those yep. three teams to pro, or one of those two teams probably to lose. Finally, Ohio State, is there any scenario for the Buckeyes or are they kind of dead in the water right now? They need – they need the favorites. They, they basically everybody between. Let's. I don't know. This is the wild card with them is where they'll be in the rankings. But if you get Texas two losses, Alabama two losses, Oregon two losses, implying that you have three undefeateds at the top, right? Yep. And, and then Florida State losing, then I think you have an Ohio State Florida State argument, and I actually do think they would put Ohio State in there. But they need over. Uh, yeah. Over Florida, basically all you would have left at that point is Florida State. Versus Ohio State as the two two one loss teams remaining out of all of this, I think Ohio State would get in based on 
how they've already been treating Florida State and Florida State. If they lose to Louisville, the Ohio State lost to Michigan and do it, do it that way. Yeah, so Ohio State needs Florida State, Texas, Alabama, and probably Oregon to lose in order to get in. So you need a lot of favorites to go down uh, in that one. But yeah, that's what we got for our uh, our playoff uh, kind of tinfoil hat in terms of who could get in with each loss. So those are the eight teams that still have a chance, and that's what we think will happen uh, and what their paths are. All right, before we let you guys go, we did our whole college football playoff, every scenario for it. Now, these games that we're about to talk about aren't going to affect the college football playoff, but they're still conference championship games. They're still going to affect a lot, especially in terms of the New Year's Six Bowls as well. We're going over every single group of five conference championship game, kind of give our quick predictions on them. Not a full-length preview like you get on Wednesday for the Power Five championship games, but we still want to show the group of five conferences some love, Dalton. We didn't do that enough, I think, this season, uh, and we want to show them some love here on this conference championship Saturday. Oh, yeah. it's uh, Look, I think people forget it's still really, really good football, man. These yeah. are talented kids. These are talented kids. There's some darn well coach teams. You got yep. you got, fu- you mm-hmm. got future NFL You got future NFL players on the on these teams, too, man. A, a lot of them. I mean, you see more and more the talent. The talent's getting spread out, especially through the portal and all that. And these are going to be some really good football games. Absolutely. So we're going to go over all five of the group of five conference championship games today. And then obviously, like I said, on Wednesday, we'll go over the power five games in much more detail. Uh, in those games. But so the first one we're talking about for the uh, group of five conference championship games is this one's on a Friday night game is New Mexico state at Liberty. It's actually being played at Liberty in the conference USA championship game. Obviously Liberty 12 and 0 on the season right now, if they win this game and probably if Tulane loses, uh, they would be the group of five team in the New Year's six bowl. But uh, yeah, right now Liberty going for an undefeated season and Jamie Chadwell's first year, as head coach, which is part of the reason why I wanted Syracuse to take a long look at him as their next head coach. But alas, man, there's still New Mexico State on the other side having an unreal year themselves. They just destroyed Auburn a couple of weeks ago. And Auburn went down on the wire with Alabama and losing on a Hail Mary as well. So by proxy, New Mexico State is basically on the same level uh, as Alabama is what I'm saying, Dalton. Oh man, get him, get him in the top ten, right? Get him in this playoff <laughs> conversation. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna have to beat an undefeated team, no? But uh, yeah. no, these these are two teams, especially the offenses, that are really fun to watch. And, and and I think it starts obviously with Jamie Chadwell. Look, Liberty was already really good under Hugh yeah. Freeze, right? Had a ton of athletes, and what what he's done over there. I mean, they're six in the nation in scoring. They're the top rushing offense in the country. You've got just dynamic offensive players. You've got Quentin Cooley, who's grading. His overall and rush grades are identical to Jonathan Brooks, just having a nuts year. Caden Salter is a dynamic runner. He's third in the country in big-time throw rate. He's number one in average depth of target. He's kind of like – sounds funny, but he's kind of like group of five Jalen Milrow. It's Mm -hmm. kind of that thing. And then you put it all together – and he's the best play-action passer in the country, too. You put all of this together in Chadwell's offense. It, it looks a little different than at Coastal Carolina because he's got more dynamic athletes at Liberty. But this is like cracked-out triple-option football, man. This is – I can see why they went 12-0 in conference US, in this conference because they, they just – they give you so many different looks. And with way – and he had some good athletes at Coastal – way better athletes the speed on this team especially at quarterback and with Quentin Cooley at running back is is really really tough to contend with and and you know at New Mexico State you've got you've got a guy in Diego Pavia at quarterback who can do a ton of things you got cannon for an arm Mm -hmm. you know this is a team also that's 12th in the nation in rush yards you got two offenses that are dynamic but it starts in the run game 
with both of them, especially the quarterback run game. I mean, you get, you got some serious, serious ball carriers on both of these teams. And this, this could get, it's not like an air show, but it could be a high scoring ground attack on both sides. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Liberty runs the ball on like 62% of their place this year. I mean, you mentioned that triple option offense that Jamie Chadwell brought over from Coastal Carolina, where Grayson McCall was one of the best quarterbacks in the country in that offense, honestly. And Kane Salter is looking like that as well. He looks like one of the best group of five quarterbacks this year. I mean, he's been phenomenal for them in that offense, you know, um, as a dual threat quarterback. And, you know, obviously Liberty, no stranger to dual threat quarterbacks. They had Malik Willis just a couple of years ago. Uh, Kane Salter, I'm not saying he's going to be maybe an NFL starter like Malik Willis is, or at least an NFL, you know, third round draft pick, but. Still been a really, really good quarterback for that man. So right now, Liberty has the most efficient offense in the group of five in terms of EPA per play. New Mexico State is fourth. So two teams that run the ball a lot, but at the same time, they are putting up points at a premium, man. They've, they've done a really, really good job. I think this game could be a shootout. I, I don't know if it'll be in the 40s just because, like you said, th- these two teams really like to run the ball and obviously milk that clock. But at the same time, it, it could be a game in the 30s, in my opinion. So I got Liberty winning. I got 37-30 final score. I think, like I said, it could be a shootout. I trust Liberty's defense more than I trust New Mexico State's right now. Uh, but I will say, if you're a betting man, New Mexico State is plus 10, and the money line is plus 310. So I like both of those right there. So I might take New Mexico State money line and take New Mexico State against the spread, but uh, I still think Liberty is going to win this game. And ultimately, you know, if they win and if Tulane loses, which we'll get into in just a second, Liberty is probably your uh, your New Year's Six team out of the group of five right now. So it'll be a very interesting argument. But, yeah, I, I got Liberty winning this one 37-30, my final score. I'm going to hover around that line and go Liberty 38 to 27. I, I think, I think they just, they, they're just a little more dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. I, I look, New Mexico state Pavia is really good that he's one of the better dual threats in the country, but it's all centered around him. And you mentioned Liberty's defense. They lead the country with 20 interceptions. So this is not a one-sided show here. They are 12 and 0 for a multitude of reasons. And, and, you know, they beat New Mexico state, I believe by 16 the first time around um, it, it could be a little tighter given the stakes, but it's at Liberty. And, and this offense, man, I, I don't have a ton of answers for it. And look, there weren't a ton of answers for it at Coastal. And and he's got even better athletes to work with at Liberty. This is this thing. Uh, this I'm telling you, this offense is straight up fun to watch schematically and just the talent and the speed infused into it. It's it's really Jamie Chadwell. At, at some point, he's going to get one of those one of those big, big jobs. He's he's unbelievable. And what he's what he's meshing his scheme with and the talent on that team, I, I think 13 and 0 is right in front of him. Yeah. And Syracuse could be one, not a big job, maybe, but Syracuse could be one of those jobs that he uh, ultimately takes at the end of the day, hopefully. So that game again, Friday night, 7 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Obviously, a lot of us will be tuning into the Pac 12 game at eight o'clock, but have a different have another screen open on CBS Sports Network because that conference USA championship game will be a lot, a lot of fun. And you'll want to tune into that one. So now we'll go to the Saturday games now. The net the noon Saturday game on ESPN is our favorite MAC championship game. You got Miami, Ohio playing against Toledo at Ford Field, playing where the Detroit Lions play. Um, I'm excited for this one, Dolan. It should be a much more of a defensive game than the uh, Conference USA championship should be. 
You just mentioned it. I'm, I, I actually just want to know, is this the first Mac game played on a Saturday all year? But um, <laughs> probably, yeah. actually, actually, Conference USA has been the same way. They went to the midweek model, too. But yep. um, no, yeah, you're right. This this game's all about defense. I mean, you've got one team in Toledo who's given up just over 20 a game this season. Miami, Ohio has only given up just over 16 a game this season, which I believe is a top 10 mark in the country. This is defense, defense, and more defense. And there's a couple other things we'll get into matchup-wise. But but no, you've got a team in Toledo who on the back end is just spectacular. The best cover grade in the group of five. Quinion Mitchell gets to know the name. Trevor Sikama, I believe, has him in his top 50 right now on yep. his big board. Third highest graded corner in the country. Third in the country with 12 pass breakups. Only one interception. This dude is lights, along with the whole Toledo secondary, lights out. This is an NFL corner, starting NFL corner, waiting to happen with wicked ball skills. It is not easy at all to make explosive plays on Toledo and on the other side you got a Miami Ohio team their run defense is terrific okay their linebackers Matt's Matt Salopek and Ty Wise this pair of linebackers all right they're spearheading an effort their linebackers have the second highest run defense grade in the country why is that big okay so Miami Ohio's big up front front seven's working the run D's working because you got a guy in Toledo Penny Boone Seventh in the country yep. in rush yards, fourth in explosive runs. And the first time they played this game, it was 21-17 Toledo. But they held Boone to 71 yards, which is one of, one of I believe, his two or three lowest totals of the season. Really gave themselves a chance. If you want to beat Toledo, you have to play really good up front. You have to stop the run. Penny Boone, man, he is a, he is a big physical runner I, I mean just just he would just run we talked about we talked about the angry runs like with Jonah Coleman last week this dude is just uh, he I believe he's 240 pounds if I remember a 6'1 and about 240 just at, at, at friggin thighs for days man I mean he will run you over but Miami Ohio they were equipped the first time to keep themselves in the game they just need to find a way to score enough while still stopping the run but this this is going to be an ugly run the ball defensive kind of game for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are two of the seven best defenses in the group of five in terms of grading this year. So really, really defensive game. Uh, I like two leaders offense, though. They got some stuff that I really like that, you know, Daquan Finn, their, their quarterback has been a dynamic player for them this year. You mentioned Penny Boone, who I like a lot as well. He's been a really, really good runner for them as well. Um, Miami, Ohio's run defense is really good. But I'm picking Toledo only because I like Toledo's offense more than Miami of Ohio. I think there's more to get excited about on the Rocket side uh, than the other side of the ball. So I got Toledo winning this one 24 to 20. Um, and what's an interesting storyline, I, I think, for this game, Dolan, do you think if, say, uh, Liberty loses to New Mexico State and SMU beats Tulane, is Toledo right now is ranked in the at least AP poll. The right now Toledo is number 23, SMU is number 25. Do you think SMU leapfrogs Toledo and gets the New Year's Six invite, or do you think that Toledo would be the New Year's Six team uh, out of number five? Might be another eye test one. Might be another eye test one, but I, me personally, I would probably lean on SMU if they go at yeah. Tulane, to Tulane and win. I would probably lean SMU, but I could totally see the argument either way. Toledo's got a really good football team. They do. Yeah, right now, they're the third highest ranked group of five team after Tulane and Liberty right now. Toledo, 23 in the AP people. We'll see what happens in the college football playoff rankings. But yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm, the Rockets certainly aren't out of the uh, nearest six conversation just yet, which would be an unbelievable thing for their program. So Jason Candle, uh, another 
coach Syracuse should be looking at and maybe not go to the FCS route or maybe not go to the position coach route. Uh, look at Jason Candle, please, because he's been doing a terrific job with the Rockets. So I got 24-20. Who do you ultimately think is going to win the MAC championship? I like Toledo also. I think, again, tight defensive game. But I, I think Penny Boone finds a little more than 71 yards this time around and is a little more reliable going on there with, with Toledo's offense. I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to go I'm gonna go 24 to 16 Toledo. Yeah, I just look at Miami, Ohio's receiving core, man. I mean, really, they're only their good receiver is uh, their slot receiver, uh, Gage Larvadin, Larvadin, excuse me, this, this season, who's been – Solid, but the rest of them, I think, are below all of them bringing below a sixty right now, including their tight end. So, uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see this being a win for Miami Ohio with that offense against that secondary in Toledo. Like you mentioned, man, Quinion Mitchell, not only one of the highest graded corners this year, he was the highest graded corner in the country last year too. Uh, and now, like you mentioned, Trevor Sikama recently was able to watch him. He has him top fifty in the NFL draft, uh, so he could be a early second round pick. So yes, yeah, so this is an NFL corner you're going to see on Saturday, which is really really cool. So uh, we both got Toledo in the MAC championship. The next game that we're going to talk about is the Mountain West Championship, which is at three o'clock p.m. on Fox. You got Boise State going against UNLV. Now, it's not a home game for UNLV, technically, but the game will be played in Las Vegas, Nevada, in Allegiant Stadium, the home of the Las Vegas Raiders. So kind of home game for UNLV in that respect. But, uh, yeah, it should be a fun Mountain West Championship we got here, Dalton. Yeah, and, well, and, and it's what it's what the computer gave us, right? Uh, you know, it's just the, the computer spits out the two at a three-way tiebreaker, and this is what it gave us. I believe San Jose State was it got left out, I believe it was. But, um, no, which you've got – you got here. It's this is kind of a weird. It's kind of a weird one. You got two teams who've been up and down this year. Boise State won their last won their last three games um, after starting out most of their year kind of kind of up and down. The big thing with big thing with both of these teams, I think, is you, you've got you've got offenses really carried by one uh, one superstar, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it, with Boise with Boise State, they don't do a whole lot else. Great, they run and run and run with Ashton Genty until until the wheels fall off. And the games where the wheels don't fall off. They win, and you know if it, you you have to stop Ashton Jitsi's third third and overall grading among all running backs, sixty three miss uh, miss tackles forced, seventh in the country, is is another one. There's a lot of I noticed in these games, it's like a ton of teams awesome running backs, and and Boise Boise's no no exception. They do they do the same old Boise thing. They they you know if they get in the eye, they run downhill, and, and Jitsi gets them five yards at a time, and. And if they can play good enough defense to win ball games, cool. And, and a guy, I think a guy to highlight for UNLV is their their leading receiver, Ricky White. He's got over thirteen hundred yeah. yards, fourth in the country in receiving grade, five straight games with one hundred and ten yards. You know, I hadn't watched a lot of, you know, I hadn't seen much UNLV this year. I flipped on the tape before the show, and, and immediately, immediately watching this guy, I, I thought of Rasheed Rice. I, wow. I, I saw I okay. the same. I I, I saw – and I, now Rasheed Rice is a hot name, fantasy football, Kansas City, all that stuff. I immediately thought of Rasheed Rice within within this guy making maybe like four or five catches on tape because he's not the biggest guy. I think it was 6'1", 190, maybe 200. He's mm-hmm. not the fastest guy. He's not the fastest guy. You can see it. I bet he runs – I bet he runs somewhere somewhere in the low to mid 4'5", honestly. Mm-hmm. Competitive as all hell. Excellent route runner. Excellent feel for zone coverage. And and makes contested catches, just fights for the football. I, I just see, I see a lot. Of this guy, he's going to be a fun one. He's going to be a fun one. I, you know, whenever he comes out of like that, one of those guys. You know, we see every year receivers rounds like four, five, and six. Some of them just weren't weren't found for some reason. 
he's he's going to be one of those. He's I don't I don't think he'd be like a superstar, but I'm telling you, I, I just saw Rasheed Rice, all the same tape that I watched last year of SMU, looking at Rasheed Rice, and then he went to the Chiefs. I was like, oh, it's perfect, it's perfect. Uh, you know, same kind of guy, just just solid, just a solid. That certain receivers, especially, are just competitors. You can see it in the play style, and this guy, this guy is one of them. When in doubt, throw it to Ricky White, and good things happen, man. Yeah, absolutely. I see it. Ricky White and then you mentioned Ashton GT. Like that's the only guy, not only guy, but that's the one guy you need to stop on this Bronco offense is Ashton GT because he's been a phenomenal player. I think he was the highest graded true freshman last season. He's again putting up elite grades this year as a true sophomore. Um, he should be one of the top running backs, honestly, heading into next year as well. But yeah, that's the one guy I think you really need to key in on if you're UNLV and you know, these are two teams are kind of below average defenses right now. So it should be an interesting game. I got, I actually do think UNLV is going to end up winning this game though. I, I know that Boise state is favored right now, but I think three points, I got UNLV winning 30 to 27, I, essentially a home game for them. Also, I think they have a better quarterback in Jaden Mayava and Boise state remember is on an interim coach right now after uh, firing their coach, uh, Andy Avalos uh, a couple of weeks ago. So all those factors to me in a close game, I, I point to UNLV in my opinion. So I'm I'm taking the Rebels in this one. This is this is a hard one. This is a hard one because you've got the pseudo home game. You've got Boise's hot though, man. They've won their they last three. They've looked they've looked really really good lately. The grading on these two teams is very similar. They're they're like right next to each other when you look at all of it. I I, I yeah, man, this is a hard one. I think I I think I'm gonna go with Boise. I'm gonna go with Ginty. I'm gonna I think they play the safer game. I think they've been playing better defense lately. I'm gonna take Boise 27 to 23. And, and, and but this this is going to be tight. I, this actually of the five, I think, I think for me this is the hardest game to pick of the five. Um, I, I, I you just you have two teams that like definitely are not great, but and definitely aren't bad and have just kind of different. You want to at least sometimes I watch their offense when it's not Ricky White making an explosive play. Sometimes I'm not sure mm-hmm. what they're trying to do. So I, I I I'll take I'll take the safer like Boise with the identity playing. They're hot lately. I'll take Boise. All right. So you're taking Boise. I'm taking UNLV. Uh, next one we're talking about probably is the biggest stakes in terms of who makes the nearest six bowl. That is the American athletic championship game between SMU and Tulane at Tulane. So the home game for the green wave and Dolan, you kind of uh, broke the news to me before the show. Cause I actually didn't see this before, but Preston stone SMU starting quarterback, not only starting quarterback star quarterback, the highest graded group of five quarterback this season is out with a broken leg now. So now SMU on a backup quarterback against Tulane. Uh, how do you kind of see this one playing out? Uh, this is this is awful because uh, I, I just I, I'm gonna highlight some of the quick things Stone and SMU have accomplished. Okay, they're the highest graded group of five team. They're the sixth highest graded team in the country. Yeah, they score the they score the same points per game as USC, and they allow fewer points than Alabama. All right, <laughs> Preston Stone since week nine. All right, five games, ninety five point three passing grade, best in the country, better than Jaden Daniels. All right, they they were raging raging hot last one and this might be the one thing that gives them a chance without stone only four teams in the country are in the top 10 in both offensive and defensive grading max michigan alabama notre dame and smu 
Wow. All right. So so they are they are doing with this with some balance. And and some people go, oh, they got two losses. Well, the two losses were at Oklahoma and at TCU very early in the year. Mm-hmm. They once they got in conference play, they just started blasting almost everybody. They put 52 points up in a half again this past week against Navy. Just unbelievable. And Stone Stone got hurt with about five, six minutes left in the second quarter. I, I mean, they they were just absolutely rolling. And now it's a mystery. Now, you know, can they go in there with, with Kevin Jennings now, who's got 46 career pass attempts, is going to start. He's played sparingly when they've been up by 50 in some of these games this year. But um, that's that's a tough environment to go in, to go in for your, I believe, what will be his first career start um, against a team that's really experienced, been here before. Tulane won a huge game last week against UTSA, forced five turnovers in that game. And, and for Tulane – you know, a guy that we didn't get to highlight this week because we were kind of catching up with them and Michael Pratt and what's going on there. How about Makai Hughes, man? In a game where Michael Pratt only went nine for 22 and they were forcing turnovers and playing complimentary football. He had 166 yards against UTSA last week, and he's got 100-plus yards in seven of his last eight games. Tulane, <coughs> pardon me, I don't know if he's as good as – I don't know if he's as good as Ty J Spears – but it's kind of getting to be the same sort of thing where Spears last year, for as great as Pratt was, and he was spectacular against USC. Tajay Spears last year was the engine of this offense, and it's starting to look like Makai Hughes is actually the difference. When they can be two-dimensional and take some of the heat off of Pratt, they can win games like that. So you, you've got some weird dynamics going in this game, but boy, this task for SK, this, this task for SMU is going to be rough without without Stone because he, he was playing as good as any quarterback in the country. Oh, dude, he was. And, then, and I'll just spoil it right now. I, I picked SMU to win this game before I knew about Preston Stone because I thought SMU, you look at the entire team, I mean, offensively, they've been one of the most efficient offenses in the group of five this year. Defensively, they've been arguably maybe the best defense in the group of five this year. I mean, they have been phenomenal on both sides of the ball. In fact, you look at that defense. They're the only group of five defense. I'm checking to see if they're the only defense in the country. They have 90 plus grades in run defense, pass rushing, and coverage. All three aspects of defense. They're grading above a 90. And they're the only group of five team that has done that. I'm checking right now to see if they're the only FBS team that's done that as well. But yeah, man, SMU has been a phenomenal team all year that I don't think has gotten enough credit. They're finally ranked now. Um, right now, so I'm looking right now. So it is Michigan has done it before. Penn State has 90 plus grades in all aspects, and UCLA has 90 plus grades in all aspects, and then SMU has 90 plus grades in all aspects as well. So those are the only ones, man. Those are some elite, elite defenses that you're looking at right there. Yeah. Um, so that's an impressive feat. So I, I really think SMU's defense could keep them in this game, but now you're in a back quarterback right now going against Tulane, who, like you said, is really good at both running and passing with Michael Pratt as their quarterback, obviously. So it sucks. I, I really wanted to pick SMU partly because I do think SMU would have beaten Tulane with Preston Stone, and also partly because I want to see the uh, Liberty Flames get in with a 13 and 0 record. But I do think Tulane now against SMU as a backup quarterback. I got Tulane winning this game. I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll go close because I think it will be a low scoring ish game. But I'll go 27 24. I think Tulane is gonna pull it out on top. This is, this is tough. It's a tough. It's a tough team to make your first start against. It's a tough environment to make your first start in. That going down there to Tulane and winning games is not easy. And and I think Pratt. I think Pratt will. I think Michael Pratt will be better than last week. Makai Hughes is a big factor too. SMU. I think stopping the run is going to be big time here again. Hughes has a hundred yards in seven of his last eight games. 
Um, I, I'm going to take Tulane also. I'm with you. I would have. I was with Stone in there. I was going to take SMU. I, I'm with. You. I thought they were playing. They were one of the hottest teams in the country. But um, no, they they can stay in this. Um, I think a lower scoring game will help them here. If they if they go in and give up 35 points, uh, I don't. I'm not seeing it. I I just I, I can't trust it. I, I it's not nothing against Kevin Jennings. We just don't know anything about him. He's thrown 46 passes. So yeah, Tulane. Yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 31 to 17. I think I think the moment's a little big, but I think SMU. Well, they're going to the ACC next year. Is that right? Is that next yes. year? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's gonna be fun. With yeah. Stone not, healthy, uh... With Stone healthy, they're saying he'll be. I think they um, Lashley said that he he'll be good for spring ball. I think back on a field by March. But that's gonna be a fun one with the way that they're, with as good as their offense is and his him coming back. That'll be a fun one seeing them in the ACC. Yeah, Merlachi just signed a uh, contract extension as well. That would be another guy I, w- I would want to Syracuse to make a run at, but he's staying in uh, SMU for the time being. And obviously, joining the same conference as Syracuse as well. Uh, do not blame it all for, for staying there because they're, they're building something pretty cool down there in SMU. Just your Preston Stone coming back, man. Um, now they're in the Power Five conference next year. It's going to be very, very exciting to, to be an SMU fan, honestly. So, the last uh, group of five championship game we're talking about is the Sun Belt Championship, which is Appalachian State at troy and it's a damn shame Dolan, that we're not getting the james madison dukes in this game but that's beside the point uh what are you looking forward to seeing in this troy app state game well so, something we haven't mentioned yet too i just want to throw in there uh congrats too to james madison and jacksonville state for their well i guess other teams failures allowing them to at least play in bowl games because yes that's, that's well deserved they, there's no reason they shouldn't be playing at all so we'll see what bowls they get in should be a lot of fun with those two um first thing troy they run they stopped the run. Kamani Vidal, I've had him in a game or two in the past. Really darn good. Fifth in the country in rushing yards. Third in the country in forced missed tackles. Mm-hmm. There and they and they don't always block the greatest for him. Their run blocking grades are not spectacular. He makes a lot of things happen when he gets rolling. I believe he had a game with 240 yards this year on the ground. They want to run. They want to get the play action. Gunnar Watson with a 90 plus play action grade. Yep, that's just how their offense works. And I got we, we don't have Dave's trivia today, but I, I have one. I have one for you. Okay, you've All got right. two big. You got two big big guys in the middle. Okay, now we get to stop in the run for Troy. T.J. Jackson and Buddha Jones, big big defensive tackles in the middle, both in the top ten in run defense grades in the country. Mm-hmm. Max Troy is second in the country in run defense grade from their defensive tackles. Who's the only team ahead of them? It's got to be Texas, right? With Sweat and Murphy. No, it's not. They were fifth. Their best wow. overall. They're they're the best overall because of the pass rush. But they're 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 Interesting. fifth. They were fifth. I knew you were going. I knew you were going to ask me that too about Texas. It's not Texas. The only I would team, have assumed it. Yeah. The only team ahead of Troy in run defense grades from their D tackles. What do you think, dude? It's it's not te- oh, is it is it uh Notre Dame with Cross and uh who's the other guy? I'm blanking on him right now. It's not Notre Dame um, either. Who's it? It's crossing someone else. They have, they have another stud detail. I'm blanking on it right now. It's bad. But uh, yeah. Oh man, it's not them. I'm dude. I, I don't know who is it then. It is Clemson. Wow. Clemson. Okay. I believe it's Tyler Davis and company in the middle. And uh, Ruka Aurora is still there. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. But yeah, that's that's how just just to throw it in there with those teams you mentioned and only being behind Clemson. T.J. Jackson and Buddha Jones. <laughs> that's the headline. Insane, man. This Holy is crap. this is a brick. This is a brick wall stopping the run. 
This is this team, Troy. They got an identity. They run. They stop the run. They play good defense. They got play action passing. It's really, really efficient. And you know, so I, I, I'm looking at they low key. They've been playing really good football all year. I would I would have loved to have seen them against James Madison, but but you got App State now. He's blazing hot. They went into James Madison and won when College Game Day was there and everything. They yep. started three and they started three and four. Now they've won their last five. They've kind of they've kind of figured some things out. Their offensive line's playing better. The defense playing a little better the second half of the season. So it's going to be a fun one. But that, that's that's I look at Troy running and stopping the run against an App State defense that's 112th in the country and run D grade could be could be a matchup problem. They really need Joey Aguilar to, to to have a big game. I think to get to get by this Troy front seven. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, and you look at PFS power rankings right now, which is not resume at all nothing like that it's just purely you know who would be rated highest and who would be favored i guess on a neutral field is a good way to look at it right now in the pfs power rankings the highest ranked group of five team isn't tulane isn't liberty isn't toledo smu or anything like that it's actually troy troy is number 15 in pfs power rankings which i don't know if i quite agree with that but still man, that's insane that they are not i'm high. surprised i'm i'm surprised that's not smu i i would think because i i've seen all the grading seen some yeah. other I've seen some other metrics with SM, but yeah, no, that's yeah, no, they they it's I'm telling you, it's they do a lot of stable things really well, but run yeah. stop the run. Their defense is spectacular. Uh, yeah. I'm telling you, some of these defenses, in especially in the Sun Belt, especially Troy and James Madison, those two, uh, you those are elite defenses, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I mean, look at Troy, Gunnar Watts. You mentioned Kamani Vidal. They're both among the best at their positions in the group of five this year. Also, Troy is a really good receiving core as well, even after losing Tez Johnson to Oregon um, and a solid defense at, at Troy as well with a, a decent uh, coverage. I believe so um, it, it kind of spells trouble for app state app state, of course, eighth in EPA per play uh, this year on offense, but Troy is third in the def- on defensively in terms of EP play in the group of five. So uh, I really like Troy this year, man. I think they're a really good team that not a lot of people are talking about. I don't know if they should be ranked right now, but they are certainly a team that's uh, forced to be reckoned with in the group of five. Um, I, I I think the Trojans might run away with this one. I got them winning 33 to 21 over App State in this one. I think I think there's two styles of games. This this could go any which way, and I I, I like Troy in this game. I think they've got the more stable things, but I, I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little tighter. I'm gonna go 31 to 28. I think Apps, the big thing for me with App State State they're they're hot lately. They've won five in a row, but Joey Aguilar the only thing with him 28 big time throws is six in the country, but 25 turnover worthy plays is third. Yeah. So you don't know any given play which Joey Aguilar throw that you're going to get. And, and and Troy plays, they play a much safer brand of football. I could see a road for App State winning this game. If this gets to be a shootout shootout, I, I would take App State. But I'll take I'll take Troy. I think Kimani Vidal is the best player on the field at tailback for Troy. And I think App State, they're going to have to throw the ball over the top because I, I'm not really – I'm not too sure how you run for a whole lot of yards on this Troy defense. And, and you know what Troy is going to be, Max? They're going to be the team that everyone discovers in a bowl game. When yeah. they get to, if, if they get to play, especially if they get to play like – some I, I don't know, somebody with a little bit bigger name value or whatever, they're going to be, wow, this team's actually like – this team's pretty darn good. Like it's not it's not the flashiest brand of football, but – they get it done. They they just do the really solid fundamental things well. They're really physical, and yeah. I, I think that'll be. I think that more just stable, consistent brand of play, as opposed to sometimes App State's kind of up and down, um, is what'll get them through this game. But it's yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, 
Kamani Vidal's a junior. He might he might go back, obviously. Uh, Gunnar Watson, I got to check on him too. But, dude, we're going to do our way too early top 25 after the national championship is over and all that, and that will be something I'm really excited to do with you. Um, Gunnar Watson's a senior. He might have eligibility left. We'll see. But if they, if both those guys go back, man, this might be the group of five team that we rank, honestly, in the way too early top 25. I, I really like what Troy has got going with John Summerall there as head coach as well. So both of us taking Troy in this one. All right, Dalton, before we go, and we only have a few – we have eight minutes left in the Zoom call, and we're recording this on Zoom, by the way, uh, for all you not knowing at home. But there is one breaking news story I want to give out to you right now to get our reactions on this. Uh, right now, right now? Right now. Will Howard wow. is in the transfer portal. Kansas State quarterback Will Howard just entered the transfer portal. What do you think about that? And do you think he would be uh, one of the top guys in the portal this year then? I think he'd be up there. Um, wow, that's uh, that is a big one. Um I'm trying to think of like what are the fits. Yeah, uh, to, I mean, there's so think, many. I'll have to think more on this. This will be a fun one. At some point, you know, what we'll have to do is go through like who are the top 20 guys in the portal. I know, I know. Yeah, we're we'll definitely gets, gonna do that. We usually, yeah. we usually get a written list on the website. Wow, that's a weird one. Um, no, he'll, yeah, he'll be surprising, right? Like Kansas State, be, I feel like that's a lifer there. I don't know. He'll 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 be sought after for sure. He's a dual threat. He's experienced. He's got big game experience and and. There's been, t- I mean, he won the Big Twelve last year, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, and he played his absolute heart out. Oh my God! And, and even against Texas this year, man. I mean, there are times when Will Howard shows you a lot. It's just a matter of consistency outside of play action. I don't know what that decision could be based on, or if they have told him, "Hey, we're going to go with Avery Johnson next year," because that's that's the really mm, clear signal. Is good that point? Is yeah. That may- maybe they said to him, "Look, Will, you know, especially I believe they lost to Iowa State the snow the other night." Yeah. Maybe maybe they told him like, hey, we're we're gonna start getting this thing going with Avery. Avery Johnson showed flashes. He's a better athlete than Howard. If if he's not a he's not a better passer yet, but he's a better athlete. And maybe we've talked about Colin Klein as their offensive coordinator trying to get well yeah, to make makes sense. the yeah. offense make the offense look more like Colin Klein, right? And I've told you that with Avery Johnson that if he if he gets in the white room, he could look a lot like that. But um, no, that's that's an interesting name because I think I think especially you know. You never know is either teams that are trying to find that guy or like in the power five or even there's always a couple of names every year in the group in the group of five that that, that they come from power five schools. I, I, that wouldn't shock me either if you saw Will Howard arrive at, at a big at, at a bigger group of five school and, and have like a lot of success down there. I, I don't that's that's a funky that's not one that I saw coming. No, not sure. at all. I do I wouldn't be surprised if there's a big power five school it goes out. i mean you think about how all the quarterbacks are leaving this year you got caleb williams leaving you got bo nicks leaving you got michael pennis jr drake may obviously leaving as well is 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 um Uwe Agalale leaving is he a senior uh he might be out of eligibility now he was a 2019 guy so he actually might have another year uh or does he, does he have another year i think he might have right. another year so he might you he know might you, transfer because you know what State, i want obviously you, now you know what i wonder too with will howard like these teams that have just hired new coaches who maybe would just bring him in as opposed to waiting on whatever they're recruiting or dealing like Dude, what if Michigan state like, Oh, actually I have, what if, I mean, how much it's a different system than he's used to, but how much would Jeff Levy trust him? Yeah. At, at Mississippi state. I don't think that's a terrible. Cause Will Rogers again, is I, Will Rogers is in the transport as well. So yeah. And I, and I think and Howard's got a ton of experience, big game experience, and he's at times shown to be a hot and cold passer. But 
maybe Jeff Levy, after seeing him at Kansas State across the field, goes, maybe that's a guy I want to start with at Mississippi State and then go from there. That's 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 one I think about too. Is I go, who who amongst these new coaches might want this guy? That that that's an interesting one because he's he's a very good player. He's not. I don't think he's an elite player, but he's definitely at least like a B plus guy that you could you could start something up with for sure. And in Michigan State, I mean, look at Kane Hauser. I think he's the second lowest graded power five quarterback this year. They obviously need an upgraded quarterback. And we mentioned before how we're trying to get to the smash mouth mentality. Well Will Howard's a great play action passer. If you're getting to the smash mouth run game in Michigan State again, Will Howard would be a really good complimentary quarterback there as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan State is one of the top schools really going after him as well. But I'm gonna yeah I'll give you I'll give you one more just because I don't know what they have waiting in the wings. What about North Carolina? Yeah. Is that, is I that, don't is believe that they have anyone coming in. No, I don't believe they have any like big recruits or anything like that either. So yeah, I mean, that would make a lot of sense North too. Because are they, are they still going to have Hampton next year? Yes, they will. He's, yeah, he's only a true sophomore. They can make that work. Yeah, right, North, work. Carolina, North, Carolina, North Carolina. I'm just, I'm just thinking of like where, like where, because he's still, he's a good football player. I won't lie to you. He's a dual threat, can do something. No, that's, that's going to be a fun one to watch. Definitely. Yeah. So we're obviously, once all this settles down, we're going to be covering the transfer portal in depth, trust us, because there's a lot to obviously cover with the transfer portal. But yeah, I just want to get a quick thoughts on that one. Will Howard, big, big name entering the transfer portal right there. What, going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the portal as well. We'll see who else enters the portal. I mean, I don't know about you, Dol. I've got notifications on for a lot of reporters. And I'm getting one every five minutes about a new player that just entered the portal. So should be a wild time. Uh, should be a wild weekend of college football. you got conference championship weekend. This is it. Before the college football playoff now, we just went over, obviously, all the head coach hirings and firings. It's silly season in the transfer portal. silly season in terms of coaching as well. And then, of course, we get went over all the uh, the scenarios for every team to make the college football playoff. And we're going to find out who the final four is after this week. So for Dalton Wasserman, for Producer Eli, I'm Max Chadwick. And we'll uh, see you guys on Wednesday for our Power 5 Conference Championship Preview, where we go over who we think will win all five Power 5 Conference Championship game. So we'll see you guys next time.